0: You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. I want to welcome everybody at home watching online. And uh, we're jumping into a series that Andy kicked off for us last week called Gotta Go Through It. I'll get to that in just a second. Let me begin with this. There was a movie that came out a couple years ago, called The Ghost in the Darkness. So for those of you who are in the room right now, have you seen this movie, The Ghost in the Darkness? Good, you just dated yourself, congratulations. If not, you can go home and get this later on Netflix. You can start it after the Super Bowl and your kids will be up all night, it'll be great. And the movie is based off a true story, which means Hollywood has embellished it a little bit, but the story is that they were building a bridge in, um, I think it was Savo, And uh, these two male lions started hunting humans. This is not normal lion behavior. And the gentleman who was overseeing the project uh, had to hunt down these lions and kill them. And the story in the movie is, like I said, a little bit embellished, but it's fascinating because out of the gentleman's autobiography, the journal of what happened, his name was Colonel John Henry Patterson. He said this, at first, they, these two lions, were not always successful in their efforts to carry off a victim. But as time went on, they stopped at nothing and indeed braved any danger in order to obtain their favorite food. That's humans. Their methods then became so uncanny and their man stalking so well timed and so certain of success that the workmen firmly believed they were not real animals at all, but devils in lions' shapes. That give you the creepy creepies, won't it? It's a fascinating movie. By the way, just even reading his quotes, his journal entries about it is fascinating. The Bible actually talks about this too. Now, if you're new to Kingsway or new to faith, or you're just kind of exploring this thing online, I realize when Christians start talking about Christian things, sometimes it gets... Weird, because we have certain beliefs about the world that you may or may not agree with yet, and I get that. Here's what I would ask of you throughout the rest of this message today, is that you weigh the truths of what I'm speaking, and is there something about what I'm saying that resonates with your heart? Is there something that I'm saying that just connects with your mind, even if you don't know that you agree with everything that I'm saying? Is there something that just seems to have a weight to it, a truth about it, all right? That would be where I would start because here's what the Bible says. First Peter chapter five, verse eight. Peter says this, be alert. And of sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Is that you today? The past 12 months, we're coming up on almost the one-year mark of the pandemic. At least as it relates to our community, I guess it existed already in other parts of the world. It's been hard on people. And I don't know where the end is in sight, but I grabbed a few data points just to share with you to illustrate how hard it's been. This first one actually comes from the AARP, because apparently I'm old enough to go there and look at stuff now. Um, Not quite, but I'll take 10%. Anyway. It says a website that provides legal documents reported a 34% increase in sales of divorce agreements during the pandemic. 34% when compared to the exact same time the year before. Over 178,000 people have reported frequent suicidal ideation. 37% 37% of people reported having thoughts of suicide more than half or nearly every day in September 2020. Now, some of these are not coming from the AARP. I grabbed them off other websites as I looked this stuff up. But here is perhaps the most depressing part. Youth ages 11 to 17 have been more likely than any other age group to score for moderate to severe symptoms of anxiety and depression over the last year. In fact, from April to September 2020, 70% of people with anxiety and depression reported that one of the top three things contributing to their mental health concerns was loneliness or isolation. Do you know the greatest way for an animal to kill a human? Get it alone. Isolate it. Separate it. If the lion wants to attack you and kill you, he's got a far better chance when you are by yourself. And as a pastor who loves you, my people, and especially this community, what I want is I want you to have deep and meaningful connection. Not isolation, not loneliness, not depression, not suicide, not divorce, I don't get to do a lot of one-on-one counseling anymore because as a pastor of a large church, I oversee a lot of ministries of people who do more of those kinds of things. But when I do get to sit with people and have a, a hard conversation about life, I find this song keeps coming back up into my head over the last four or five months. Remember when you were a kid and you were going on a lion hunt? And there's this part of the song that gets repeated. You know, you come up to the river or whatever, you come up to the forest, you come up to the whatever it is, and you can't go over it. You can't go under it. You can't go around it. What do you got to do? You got to go through it. And that's what this series is all about. And so if you're going to have to go through some stuff, what we want to do at the end of each of these messages is come out healthier on the other side. I am going to be extremely practical. We're not just going to talk theoretics in this series. We're going to be extremely practical and try to help you and challenge you to go and live a healthy life relational life, and it begins with a connection to God. Now, for those of you who are newer to Kingsway, you don't know me, you're watching us online, you've never been to Kingsway before, welcome to Kingsway, and I'm Matt Nickerson, and I'm cheap. And when I mean cheap, I don't just mean frugal, like I'm cheap, like I shop everything on clearance. I cut the cable on cable a long time ago, and part of it was I got tired of feeling obligated to watch something because I was spending money on it, and I didn't really want to spend my life glued to a TV. But then I love football, and this created a problem for me because in order to still watch football, you have to have reception. So I went out and spent, I don't remember, like 25 bucks or 30 bucks buying this bad boy. So for those of you who don't know what this is, this is called an antenna, and I bought the longest version of this that I could. It got all tangled up, even though I tried to untangle it. I bought the longest version of this I could. I hooked it up to our TV, and literally what I would have to do is walk around the room, you ever done this before, and try and get reception. And what I would do is I would put my kids in front of the TV, because I'm walking around the room, and I'm like, tell me when the game comes on. And they'd be like, wait a minute, stop, stop. And you've you're gone too far, and you're like, did this work? How about this? Did that work? Did that do it? Like, and then they tell you, like, you finally found it, Dad, and you're like, you're flipping this thing around, like, okay, okay, somebody bring me something to set this on. So then, like, my kids are moving in the swing or the chair or the whatever it is, and we're, like, trying to drape it over stuff or hanging it up, set it on stuff. And after doing this, for month after month after month, year after year, for about two years, it just literally stopped working altogether. That was almost the only thing we watched on TV. But it stopped working altogether. So frustrated, constantly frustrated, constantly frustrated. It wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. Finally, I decided, why do I have this antenna in my house only for it not to work. I might as well just take it out. It's like this white dangling thing. It's kind of ugly and whatever. And when I went to take it out, you know what I found? You probably can't see that. It is a disconnected cable. All of my yanking and maneuvering around the house pulled this thing so tight behind the TV that it dislodged from the thing that twists into the back of the TV, meaning it was doing what? nothing. I had an antenna that served no purpose. Do you know how many bad football games I missed? I'm a Browns fan. I missed a lot of lost games. Maybe it was better for my marriage, but here's the point of this illustration as we go through all this today. You must stay connected to the most important things or it doesn't work. So what I'm gonna do throughout this message is uh, I'm gonna talk to you about staying connected to God. I'm gonna talk to you about staying connected to your spouse, for those of you who are married, your children, for those of you who are parents, perhaps your parents, for those of you who are children. Connectivity is at the heart of everything. And if we don't have it, we don't end up where we want to be. And some of you already are feeling the weight of this because you're, you're experiencing it. You know what it means. So let's just go ahead and jump right in. I want to give you three tips to pursuing healthy relationships. And the first one is this. Motion changes emotion. Motion changes emotion. Here's what I mean by that. Whenever things go sideways with somebody that you love and you're feeling a certain kind of way about them, right? You might be angry, you might be frustrated, whatever it is what we tend to do is either explode at them with a whole lot of emotion, or we tend to draw, withdraw, pull away from them, right? With a certain kind of emotion. If things get bad enough, consistently enough, long enough, you will pull away, draw away, and then what happens is you just wake up one day and you say to yourself, I just fell out of love with them. And it doesn't happen in a moment It happens through a series of decisions over and over and over again over time. Let's first apply this principle to God. Is anybody in here or perhaps watching at home online feeling distant from God right now? You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to say yes. I know this. If it isn't happening to you now, you might be a couple of bad decisions away from it happening in the future. Sometimes, as a pastor even, I go through dry spells with God. More often than not, it's a me issue. It's a not a him issue. I do believe sometimes God doesn't pull away from me, but wants me to pursue him and seek him and chase him. And so it's, 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 uh, it's like a desire to want to be wanted, We're told that God is a jealous God, that he longs for our heart and our affections and all of these things. So I'm not surprised at all that God desires for me to pursue him. But when I do pursue him, I get everything I need. I think it was Max Licato who once said, if there are a thousand steps between you and God, God will take up 999 of them, but he'll leave the last one for you. One time, I don't know, a decade or so ago, I was reading my Bible And I came across this passage, and this is so powerful because we're talking about the devil, we're talking about uh, him prowling around like a roaring lion, and there came a point in my life where I became too obsessed with the devil. And there are certain popular Christian movies today and books and things like that, and they'll tell you the way that you handle spiritual warfare as you do a lot of yelling and screaming, and you put the devil in his place, except for we never see that in the scriptures. And I want to handle things in scriptural ways. Here's one of the passages that tells us how we deal with the lion, Satan. James chapter four, verse seven and eight. Let's take a look at this. It says this, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Let's just take all this in for just a moment and unpack it. First, submit yourselves. This is a passage talking about who is king? Who is God? Who is Lord? Jesus is. So the first thing you have to do is say, you know what, I don't have all the answers. I don't know how to work it all out. I can't figure it all out. But I know this, the first thing I have to do is do it God's way even when I don't want to. And this is the antithesis a lot of times of the wisdom that we receive, quote, unquote, as the Bible would say, from the world. When I was uh, an intern, oh, goodness, back in 1998, my first internship at a church I had the blessing of being mentored by a guy and uh, he, he would spend a lot of time with me because I wasn't even, I was dating my wife at the time. We'd just started dating, but we weren't engaged. We weren't even thinking about like that at that time or anything. We were just dating. But I got to spend a lot of time with him, a lot of time. And one day I was at his house and he and his wife started fighting and it was glorious. It was like, give me some popcorn, this is great. And they started going at it. And as they started going at it, what was amazing to me is she looks at him and she goes, are you trying to hurt me? Now I don't remember the details of the situation, but what I do remember is it had something to do with money, and him spent or her spending money, and he wasn't a big fan of the way that she was spending the money, and he was trying to tell her to stop spending money that way. But the way that he did it, as was typical for him, he really hurt her in the process, and she just blurted out, "Are you trying to hurt me?" And then he's like, "No, I'm just trying to." And then she came back, and then he came back, and I'm sort of going, hey, "It's good." <laughs> This is like reality TV before reality TV. And he finally looks at me and he goes, Matt, do you mind leaving? And um, I'll see you at work tomorrow. Oh, it's too bad. What's going to happen? So the next day at work, he's like, hey, let's talk about what happened yesterday. And I was like, no, no, good. You know, it's your, your marriage, your thing, whatever. It's good. He's like, no, I'm your mentor. I want to teach you. And then he went on and he said this, and this is so powerful. We're getting to that. He said, Matt, when we got married, um, our first job was in Georgia, so we had to leave all of our family and go together, and it really ended up being a great thing for us. I said, why? He said, because if we hadn't, I'm convinced what would've happened is I would've run back to my mom and dad, she would've run back to her mom and dad, and uh, they would've told us what to do, and we would've never figured out how to work it out. We learned early that sometimes I'm blunt, and I say things, and I hurt her, and she needs to let me know when I've done that because I don't see it and know it when I do it. And I was like, man, that's such good practical advice. Why is that so powerful though? He's like, because sometimes the people closest to us gave us really bad advice. Because the people closest to us loved us, but they didn't understand the issues. And they were tainted by the way that they loved me more than us. And so they would give advice that might not be God's advice. It might just be thoughts or ideas. When we submit ourselves to God, we are coming under the lordship of God. You alone are God. Obedience to you is what you desire. God's love language is obedience. It doesn't have to make sense to me or my friends or my neighbors or my parents, but it has to make sense to you, God. And if it makes sense to you, then I trust you and I'm going to do it. Resist the devil. Not yell and scream and say, you stop, get in your place. I'm going to remind you of your future and all these things we hear about. Resist him. There's other passages where Paul talks about this. And I think it's, I think it's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Uh, Paul says that God will never allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, God will give you a way out so you can stand up under the weight of the pressure. And if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. He won't stay. It won't last forever. He wants you to believe the pressure, the temptation that you're feeling is never going to go away You're always going to feel this way about this person and this situation, and it is a lie from him intended to steal, kill, and destroy you. Years ago, I was reading a book by John Eldridge, phenomenal writer, men. Grab the book Wild at Heart, wonderful, and then grab the book Captivated, but that's about your wife, but it's for you phenomenal, phenomenal author. And he was talking about this time where he was driving in the car with his wife and he's driving, I think they were going on vacation, so the kids in the back or whatever. And he's sitting there thinking about how much he loves this woman. Life can't get any better than this. And out of nowhere, he has this thought, something happened, she did that thing. You know, the thing your spouse does, it just drives you up the wall. And the moment you do it, you think to yourself, why did I ever marry this person? Well, that happened. And within five minutes, he went from, this is the best person ever. I'm so glad we're married to That's it, I'm done and I want out. And then he had another thought go through his head. How in the world can I go from loving this person to to like wanting to divorce this woman in five minutes from one comment? And he said, what if that was actually Satan? Have you ever had these kinds of irrational thoughts? The world would be a better place if I weren't here. No, it wouldn't. Absolutely wouldn't. You know what? I don't know why I married that person. They're never going to. Never? Really? Is it possible that some of the lies that we've allowed to creep into our hearts are not? at all from God, they're a temptation that we have to resist and flee from. But then when we're running away from Satan, what are we running towards? And it's so obvious. It's right there. Come near to God. He will come near to you. Plug in to God and he will give you everything you need for life and godliness, Peter says. Everything you need. So yes, resist the temptation and the urge to quit and to run away and to give up, but run into the arms of your father and find everything you need. But when you've run into his arms, realize that he wants, as you're plugging into him, he wants to give you what you need so that you can go and give it away to other people. That's why in Romans, Paul says this, chapter 12, verse 9, don't just pretend to love others, really, actually love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. And it gets so easy to fake our way through life, to put on a mask for everybody, but don't do that. Don't just pretend you love somebody. Don't just say you love somebody. Actually love them. How? By drawing near to them. Remember, the phrase we started with is, motion changes emotion. I'm going to have to live this later. Right now, theoretically, my kids and my wife are at home watching this message. Hi, kids. So glad you're tuning in. Right now, they're watching this. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go home. I'm going to feel like a million bucks because I'm going to be on an adrenaline high after the service. happens every Sunday. And I'm going to go home and we're going to eat lunch and I'm going to be doing great. And I'm going to tell my wife, you go take a nap, baby. I got this. I'm doing great. My wife calls it the two o'clock eye roll. And at two o'clock, my eyes roll into the back of my head. I get a stare and all the adrenaline literally leaves my body like there's a hole in my feet. And it just like, and all of a sudden I'm sitting there and I'm like a zombie. And my kids are going to come up to me because it's Super Bowl Sunday. They're going to say, Dad, Dad, will you play iPad with me during iPad time? Dad, Dad, will you throw the football? Dad, Dad, can I show you how to fix this Rubik's Cube? Hey, Dad, Dad, you want to play a game? Hey, Dad, Dad, Dad. And I'm going to hear all these like voices echoing in my head. And I'm going to go, why is everybody bugging me? And I went from being like king of the universe, Dad, like everybody will write a book about how amazing I am. So I'm just sitting there going, I'm so tired. But here's the thing. Motion changes emotion. If you want to feel different about a person, do you know what you do? You don't just pretend to love them. You really love them. So you get off the couch and you play a game. Are you with me? So you actually pursue the person. And here's what will happen as you pursue them. Things will start to change about the way you feel. Now, I want to be very careful because I know a couple of people in our church if this message isn't applied carefully, you will end up in an abusive relationship, and I am not for that. And if you are in an abusive relationship or a relationship with somebody who is um, maybe addicted to a substance or something similar, this needs to be fleshed out. We can help you. Maybe you need to come in and meet with Lyndon or Kyle or Andy. Maybe we need to connect you with a professional counselor. So don't just take these and apply them blind, you know, blindly across the board. It takes wisdom to discern this. But if that's not the situation, Pursue. Motion changes emotion. You will feel different about God if you pursue a relationship with God. You will feel different about your spouse if you pursue a relationship with your spouse. My dad's um, grandmother used to tell him all the time, "If the grass is greener on the other side, it's because somebody's putting manure on it somewhere." And I always like, "What does that mean?" Um, I think) It might have had another implication, but in the very least, it means somebody's taking care of it. I think there might be another implication, but we'll leave that there. Love each other with genuine affection and delight in honoring each other. All right, second thing, real quick, I want to say to you is this. Wherever you are, be all there. Like, be all there. Here's what often happens when we go to pursue a relationship with God. Oh yeah, 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 yeah! I I've, I've got these things. I gotta do That's right. I told those people I bring them dinner. I gotta call Susie. Oh, I gotta pray for them. I gotta talk about them. And you you be reading your Bible. And, oh, that's such a good verse. I need to share that on Facebook. I gotta I gotta do that thing. I gotta put that over there. This is like if you go to dinner, say let's say with your spouse. And you're sitting there having a great conversation. All of a sudden, like a neighbor walks by and a neighbor goes, hey, how you doing? And you stop talking to your spouse and you're like, let me tell you how amazing my spouse is. My spouse is so amazing. In fact, just the other day, they were doing these things they or cleaning the house. It was so great. Da-da-da-da-da. And an hour later, this person, they go, oh, well, I better go now. And you look at your spouse. You're like, oh man, I'm so sorry. We ran out of time today. I'll see you later. Got to go. And you leave. Now, would your spouse feel honored in that situation? You're like, of course they wouldn't. Some of you are like, that's my life. Of course they wouldn't. Why? Because when you were there, where were you? Somewhere else. Revelation chapter three, Jesus in in this section of Revelation, he writes um, to seven different churches and each church has a different set of issues going on. And so he either commends them or rebukes them based off what they're going through. And to this particular church, Revelation 3, 19, he says this, to those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. I'll come back to that in a second. He says, so be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they will eat with me. So many beautiful things in this passage. But first thing is this. Jesus desires to be with you. I mean, he says to the church, I'm here. I wanna hang out. I wanna spend some time with you. Would you just hello, anybody home? And it's like, we're on the inside, like hiding from the door. I really wanna just have a meal together. I really wanna spend some time together. If you are in a dry spell with God right now, if you're feeling disconnected from God, if you aren't seeming to get the messages that God's sending to you, maybe it's because you need to plug back in. Maybe it's because you need to reconnect. This may be simple, but here's some things that I try to do to help. So I'll try to keep a journal or a piece of paper or something near my um, chair where I will often spend time with God. And when I do, I'll try to pull it out. And all those random thoughts that come into my head, those to-do lists, I'll just stop and write them down. Sometimes I'll even start like, okay, I'm gonna take five minutes and brainstorm all the things I need to do, just get it out of my head and write them all down. But then if things are coming up too, like, oh man, I'm reading my Bible and that verse is really, really good. Let's just write that down. Maybe we could share that later, but right here, I wanna be right here, right now. I have a love-hate relationship for the Bible app. I absolutely love it, but it is distracting at times because there's a whole lot of other apps just sitting right behind that on my iPad and on my iPhone. And so a lot of times i like, just put it away and actually pick up paper. You know what I'm talking about? Like the paper, okay. Anybody remember paper? <laughs> You'll keep some office employees going for a little bit longer. But anyway, because it's less distraction. Ephesians chapter five, Paul says this. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need to pause here and just say, um, there may be some of you watching right now at home or some of you here who are not filled with the Holy Spirit. Everything that I'm talking about is when you have a right relationship with God, the Holy Spirit directs you Literally in Ephesians, the same book, I think it's earlier, chapter one and chapter three, Paul talks about the Holy Spirit is our power for living. He's the one who's fueling our connectivity to do the things that pleases God so that when I am too tired, I still have enough to give my wife and my kids. So that when I'm at work and I feel like I don't have enough of me to go around, God can give me what I need. So when temptation is knocking on my door, I can open the door to Jesus and shut, slam shut, the door to sin and temptation. It's the Holy Spirit in me. And listen, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we want to tell you how to do that. Seriously, you can literally just text connect. If you're watching at home online, just text it in the chat. We'll reach out to you. You can reach out to us, go to our counter, whatever. But don't let another day go by just like the gentleman who was just baptized, man, don't let another day go by without surrendering to Christ. Now there's so much to say about this, it's like a whole sermon in itself, but I wanna point out a few things. Why does he connect here drinking as opposed to the Holy Spirit? This is a principle that it could apply in a, in a lot of different ways. But the reason that he does this here, the whole drunk with wine part, is because when I get drunk with wine, I'm no longer thinking clearly. Remember earlier, I think it was Peter who said, be of sober mind. Your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion and seeking whom he may devour. Be of sober mind. When I'm drinking, my ability to process rationally becomes influenced. Now, there's also application to this related to opioids. There's application to this related to various uh, depressants or antidepressants. I'm not a doctor. I don't even want to play one here on YouTube and Facebook today. I'm only saying be careful what you put into your body and the way that it affects your ability to cognitively think accurately about situations. Work with your doctors. Be honest. Come out of isolation. Stop hiding in the dark and be honest. And instead of being filled with something that's going to affect the way you think, be filled with the spirit of God. That's what Paul's trying to get to. This is going to make you worse. This is going to make you better. Lean into the better so that you will have everything that you need to be like Christ in this world. So be careful how you live. Make the most of every opportunity and don't act thoughtlessly. This stuff doesn't fix itself on its own. One of the best things you could do is just put the phone down. I've heard many different ways that people do this. Some people, when they walk in the door after work, they'll literally take their phone and they'll put it in a basket on the table and everybody has to do that and they're not allowed to pick it back up until the end of the night when the kids are in bed. What will work for you few months ago, I felt convicted to go off Facebook. And so I did, I would say I'm off Facebook about 80%. The problem is people still reach out to me through Facebook and messenger. And so right now I don't have it on my phone. It's on my iPad. And my wife will have to tell me, Hey, there's a message for you. Go look in the messenger or there's something on Facebook. Or if I have to share something, occasionally I'll go on and share, but I try to get off. I'd say I'm off 80% of the time. It's one of the best decisions ever made. And I know men and women struggle with, it, but I know women struggle with it more. At least that's what I'm hearing from the people I talk to. Ladies, do you really need it as much as you think you do? Is social media or your cell phone or the TV, is it in any way getting in between the relationships with a God has put around you? Do you spend equal amount of time with the people, your children, your spouse, your parents? You do in front of a screen? It's one thing if you're sitting around watching a movie together, but it's another thing if it's like, here, kids, go do that so that we can live separate lives. It's just not healthy. It's not what God desires for you. And I get it, I'm painting with big broad strokes, and so it may not be applying to you perfectly, but understand this, when you get married, God was doing something. When I do weddings, and I've said this before, I stand here, you got the groom on my left, you got the bride on my right, you got the audience witnessing the thing. They're here to testify and hold these people accountable to the decisions that they're making to each other. And I tell them all the time, this is not a contract between the husband and the wife. This is a covenant between the husband, the wife, and God. Now, I'm not God. I'm a little shorter than him, but I represent him in this relationship so that the commitment that he's making to her, if she breaks her end of the bargain, he still made a commitment to God that he's going to fulfill his end of the bargain so that what God has joined together, let not man separate. Are you with me? This is so important because at some point he's going to fail her and she's going to fail him and you're gonna have to lean into God more than ever to find the grace, the love, the forgiveness that you need. Gary Thomas in the book Sacred Marriage says it so well. He says it this way, love is not an emotion. It's a policy and a commitment that we choose to keep in the harshest of circumstances. It's something that can be learned and that we can grow in. Biblical love is not based on the worthiness of the person being loved. None of us deserves Christ's sacrifice, but on the worthiness of the one who calls us to love. We love because he first loved us. And in this thing called life, it's going to be hard at times, but you've got to go through it. You can't go around it. You can't go over it. You can't go under it. You gotta go through it. And God wants to go through it with you. He doesn't wanna leave you alone. He wants to carry you through it. He wants to bring health. Years ago, one of my friends and mentors, a guy named Rick Sudsbury, was a Christian counselor in our community for many years, and now he's moved to the north side. He actually was tuned in in our service last time. He texted me between the service. like, man, love you, still love you, still love your ministry and appreciate you. But he told me this once. It was such great wisdom. He said, Matt, every family Every family has toxic moments. Sooner or later, you might just be worn out and snap at one of your kids. Sooner or later, your wife might be having a bad day. Your husband might be having a bad day and they snap at you. It might happen. Every family has toxic moments. It's how we heal the toxicity that determines whether we are healthy or not. That's the difference and we call that relationship. That's why the last thing I want to say to you, last piece of wisdom I want to share today, is this: rules without relationship creates rebellion. Rules without relationship creates rebellion. All right, let's go back to the Revelation three passage. Now I told you we'd get to this in a minute. Revelation chapter three. Remember this: Jesus said, "I discipline and rebuke those that I love." Can you put that up for me? Revelation 3, that 1920 passage. She's looking for it. There you go. Very good. Thank you. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. But notice, I love. And again, remember, he ends with, I'm standing at the door knocking. Let me in. I want to do dinner. Jesus doesn't have any desire to re- just rebuke and discipline. If you're going to rebuke and discipline, let's just say as a parent, or let's just say you have rules in your relationship with your spouse or whatever it is, rules mean nothing if they're not in the context of love. And the only way we get love is to make a continuous investment over and over and over again. I like to call this relational compound interest. Do you know what compound interest is? My dad does financial investing for a living, and when we first got married, my wife and I were literally making nothing. We were surviving on mac and cheese and cereal. And I'm not joking. My dad said, Matt, whatever you can squeeze out of your budget and put in an investment account, it's worth it because a compound interest. I'm going to do simple numbers to help you understand compound interest and apply it relationally. Let's just say you took $100 and you put it in an investment account and it made 10% a month, which would be really amazing. But let's just say that actually happened. After 50 years of that same hundred dollars, just sitting in there. What happens is it makes hundred dollars then it makes 110. Then you make 10% on that. Then you make 10% on that. And every time the accruement of that gets added on, added on, added on, added on. By the end of that 50 year period, you would have, I believe it's $14,545 on one original $100. This is not about funding and retirement. Relationships work the same way. Except for in a relationship it's a little bit different because you, you you put some money in the bank, right? You're like, "Hey, remember when we went on on the date last night? You were awesome. I love you so much. It was so good to spend time with you. And oh, you need me to do the dishes? Got it. Cool. I'll put some do some dishes. Oh, and the trash needs to go? I'm on top of that. And baby, that tell you how good you look today? Mm, you look so good. And that would be great, right? Because it's just going to keep making interest. But then the problem is I come home and I'm grumpy and I'm like, yeah, uh, you know, and I just yelled at you and, and then I didn't take the trash out. And all of a sudden you got Jenga going on over there in the recycle bin and, and this happens at our house. And, you know, and then I'm snapping at people and I'm being rude and all of a sudden I'm putting money in and I'm taking money out. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so you have to keep Putting money, those are ones and fives, just to be clear. I, don't have, I can't throw around a lot of money, and I plan on getting that back. <laughs> you gotta keep making the investment over and over and over, because you're gonna make withdrawals. And so the only way to make sure that the relationship, both with you and God and you and others, is you gotta keep making the investment over and over and over and over again. Every family has toxic moments. It's how we handle the toxicity that makes us healthy. So here's my question, what I wanna leave you with today before I get my money back. What is one step toward fill in the blank that you need to make? Is it a child, a spouse, is it God, is it a parent, is it a friend? I've been praying that God would bring somebody to mind, something, a relationship to mind that you need to invest in. What is one step you need to make? Here's my ask of you. Here's what happens. You leave here, you go to lunch, the Super Bowl's on later, and you move on with life, and nothing will change. Motion changes emotion. So I'm gonna ask you before the Super Bowl tonight, which I think is at 6.30, our time, would you just make a move? Send a text, make a phone call, give a hug, play a game, whatever God's putting on your heart right now, would you just do something? And if the next thought that comes to your mind is, but it won't make a difference, it won't do anything, maybe that's not the voice of God. Maybe that's the voice of your enemy. Maybe you need to come out of the dark, you need to tell somebody, I'm feeling suicidal, I'm having suicidal ideations. Maybe you've got a sin hidden in the darkness that nobody knows about, and you need to tell somebody, I know this. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, in the NLT, he says, God will do this. God's gonna do it. For he is faithful to do what he says. And he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's a relationship between you and God where he lives out in you what needs to be done in the world. So what are you waiting for? Go do it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I don't know where everybody watching this is right now. God, I pray, if there's anybody, anybody, God, who's watching this message that is suicidal, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit in us, God, would you keep them from going through with it? Would you help them to reach out, to get help, Father? God, right now, before Satan could further destroy any homes and marriages in our community, right here in our church, God, I pray that you would strengthen us, God, to live these principles, to really love each other, not just pretend to love each other, but truly, really, actually love each other and to act it out in the way we treat each other with kindness, respect, and honor. God, I thank you for those who are doing really well. God, may you help us to continue to practice these things that we can be a good example to others and offer the wisdom you've given us. And in all things, we thank you, God, for your son, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and our only hope,